little survey this morning, if you don't mind. How many of you exercise on a consistent basis? And I've got to kind of do this. Just lift your hand up real high. Wow, I'm pretty impressed. You can put your hands down. How many of you exercise and watch your diet? Wow, I'm still impressed. Okay. How many of you exercise, watch your diet, and make sure you get enough rest so your body can repair itself? Wow. Let's give them a hand. People, that is impressive. Now, to be honest with you, I have the tendency to ne neglect all three areas. And I really have the tendency to neglect exercise. I'll do good for a while, and then I get busy with the project. And so that becomes uh, my top priority. And as a result of that, I stop exercising. And you can just look at me and know that I like to eat. So I don't want to eat things that are healthy for me. I tell my wife all the time, that's crap. I don't want to eat crap. I want to eat things that taste good. And I've never been conscientious about getting enough rest. My philosophy in life is this. Life here on this earth is short. We're going to have enough time to sleep when we get to heaven. Probably won't need to sleep when we get to heaven, but that's kind of my philosophy. And because I really don't take care of myself, I've reaped the consequences. Right after Christmas, I stepped on the scales and I was blown away by how much I weighed. I weighed 230 pounds and people I am 5 foot 10 and it is true. I know the older you get I don't know what begins to settle but I don't think I'm 5'10 anymore. I think I'm about 5 foot 9 and I was 230 pounds and because I don't put weight on except in my stomach I look like I was 8 months pregnant. My clothes didn't fit so I told my wife one day as we were getting ready for church and I was trying to button my pants I said you know what I want to change my title. I'm not going to be called pastor anymore. I'm going to be called spiritual coach. That way I can wear the wind pants, you know, with the elastic waistband. And when I get up here to preach, I just tell everyone, you know, I'm with it. The new trend today is, is they don't have pastors. We have spiritual coaches. And Lisa kind of nicks that idea. I thought it was a great idea, but she said, no, you're not going to do that. It got so bad that I couldn't bend over to tie my shoes. Now, women, if you've ever been pregnant, you know what I'm talking about. You get to that eighth month, ninth month, and you can't bend over to tie your shoes. So how do you tie your shoes? You cross your legs. You sit down, you cross your legs, and then you tie your shoes. The only problem with doing that is the bow is always on the inside of the shoe rather than on top of the shoe, right? That's why I wear slip-ons. You know, I can just slip them on. I don't have to tie my shoes. <sighs> now, when you get to the point that I was, 230 pounds, You've only got one choice, and that one choice is to lose weight. So now I'm back to exercising, I'm watching my diet, and to make sure I get enough rest, I go to bed when Lisa goes to bed, because I want my body to be able to repair itself. And so far, I've lost about 20 pounds. Can you tell? Now, here's the bad news. I've got another 25 pounds to go, because I realize that where I need to be is 185. And I looked at, is it called the BMI chart? body mass index chart. Anyways, for my height, I should be 165. Now, I looked at that and I said, I don't know what, who, what idiot wrote this, but I, I'm not getting down to 165. 185 is good, but I want you to understand to go from 230 pounds to 185 is 45 pounds. Now, people, I've done this before, except I've never gotten up to 230. The first time I got up to 215 pounds, and I had to lose about 30 pounds, which really wasn't that bad. But after I did it, I told myself, I am never going to do that again. I'm never going to put on that much weight. Well, of course, I lied because I did. 
And I got up to 225 pounds. So I had to lose about 40 pounds. And I did. I got back down to 185. I looked good. I felt good. I slept good. I quit snoring. All of those things that, that comes along with having additional weight, they left. And I told myself, I'm never going to put that weight on again. And, of course, I lied one more time. And I got up to 230 pounds. And so now I have to lose 45 pounds. And when I get to 185, I'm going to say it again. I'm never going to do that again. But I know that if I want to stay physically fit, I'm going to have to do three things. First of all, I'm going to have to exercise. Secondly, I'm going to have to eat right. And last but not least, I'm going to have to make sure I get enough rest in order for my body to be able to, to repair itself. And there's no easy way of doing it. You know, there's no magic pill. I don't care what people tell you on TV. And, and, and all of those electrical diodes that you can connect to your body while you watch TV and it's giving you a workout. People, that doesn't work. The truth of the matter is it takes discipline. And so I realize that I must discipline myself. I've got to get down to 185, and I've got to continue to do these three things for the rest of my life. See, I had the tendency to get down to 185 and think, yes, I've made my goal, and then forget all about those things. Quit doing them. Well, you can't do that if you want to stay fit. Now, listen to me because this is very important. Being physically fit is important, but it's not as important as being spiritually fit. Did you hear what I said? Being physically fit is important, but it's not nearly as important as being spiritually fit. And some of you are really out of shape from a spiritual perspective. So this morning what I want to talk about is being spiritually fit. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to read the last part of verse number 7, and then later on we're going to get into verse number 8. But notice what verse 7 says. And exercise, exercise thyself unto godliness. Now, I like the way the Phillips translation translates this verse. It says, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, let's be honest. The Phillips translation is not truly a translation. It's an interpretation. But I like it, and the reason I do is because I think it captures what Paul is really trying to say. We're to keep ourselves spiritually fit. And then in verse number 8, Paul goes further, and he says exactly what I told you. He says that being spiritually fit is more important than being physically fit, and then he explains why. So let's look at verse number 8. Go ahead and turn there if you don't mind. Paul wrote this and said, For bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, I want you to underline the word exercise. Exercise is translated from the Greek word gymnasia. Gymnasia refers to physical exercise or physical training in a gymnasium. The Greeks refer to it as a palestra. But here's what's interesting. Our English word gymnasium is transliterated from this Greek word. Gymnasia, gymnasium. Do you see that? But here's what's interesting. In Paul's day, every major city that was Hellenized had a gymnasium in it, a palestra. It was a place where men could go to get in shape in order to compete in sporting events, things like running, wrestling, boxing, etc. So, gymnasia refers to physical exercise or physical training in a gymnasium. Now, I want you to notice that Paul is not condemning physical exercise. Some people read more into this than what it really says. And I think the reason they do is because they want to justify that they're not in shape. 
I know when someone comes up to me that's really in shape and they pat me on the belly and they say, Pastor Allen, you need to get in shape. You know what I normally do? I retort and say, bodily exercise profiteth little. (laughs) You, You know how we do that? It's like that justifies me being out of shape. That's a defense of the position that I'm in. And I should say maybe the shape that I'm in. But I want you to understand something. Paul is not condemning physical exercise. In fact, Paul loves sports and he used a lot of sports analogies to teach spiritual principles. So Paul was not condemning physical exercise. In fact, he even says that it's profitable. Look at verse 8 again. For bodily exercise profiteth. Do you see that? It profiteth. There is profit in physical exercise. Now someone goes, yeah, but you didn't read on. It says little. No, you don't understand. Paul wasn't saying that physical exercise doesn't profit you. He says it profiteth little in comparison to spiritual exercise. In other words, he wanted people to understand at that time who kept themselves in good physical shape, hey, it's a good thing that you're doing. But when you compare it to spiritual fitness, it's not nearly as profitable. And in the last part of verse number 8, Paul is going to show us why. It's not as profitable as spiritual exercise. So look at verse number 8 again. He says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now I want you to underline that word godliness. Godliness is translated from the Greek word eusebia. Eusebia is a compound word. In case you don't know what a compound word is, a compound word is simply a word that's made up of more than one word. In this case, eusebia is made up of two words. The prefix you, which means good, and the root word sebia, which means worship. Now, when you combine these two words, it literally means good worship. But we wouldn't translate it that way. We would probably translate it proper worship. Because good worship is actually proper worship. But this word actually evolved over time. And the word eusebia came to mean proper reverence, and conduct towards God. So what is godliness? Godliness is proper reverence and conduct towards God. You see, a godly person is going to have a proper reverence for God. If you ever see a person that doesn't have the proper reverence for God, they're not a godly person. A godly person will always have a proper reverence for God. A godly person is always going to act the way that God wants him to. When you see someone outside not doing what God would want them to do, doing something maybe that's immoral or not, it just isn't right, you look at that person and you think, well, he's not a very godly person. In fact, if you saw me as the pastor go out and, and kind of make a rear of myself out in public, you'd be thinking to yourself, our pastor isn't very godly. Why? Because a godly person is going to act the way that God wants them to. That's what godliness is. So we are to train ourselves to be godly. That's what Paul said. You see, exercise always has a purpose. The objective of physical exercise is to be physically fit. To be in good physical shape. So what's the objective of spiritual exercise? Well, the objective of spiritual exercise is to be spiritually fit, to be in good spiritual shape. And a person who's in good spiritual shape is godly. And that's what Paul said in verse number 7. Let's go back and read the Philip's translation again. He said, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. In other words, to keep yourself godly with the right reverence for God 
and with the right conduct towards God. In other words, acting the way God wants you to. So what Paul is saying here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, is that it's more important to be godly, to be spiritually fit, than it is to be physically fit. And then he tells us why in the last part of verse 8. So let's look at the last part of verse number 8. I want to read it all, but we're going to focus in on the last part. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Now, here's the part I'm going to focus in on. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now, I want you to underline the word promise. Promise is translated from the Greek word epangelia, and it means the promise of some type of benefit or blessing. So here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that godliness promises to benefit us in this life and in the life to come. In fact, I want you to notice how the NLT translates this verse. Let's read it from the NLT. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is better. Why is it better? Because it promises benefits in this life and in the life to come. Now, people, that is a fantastic translation because it really captures what Paul is trying to tell us. So notice what Paul is saying. He's saying that being spiritually fit is more important than being physically fit because it benefits us in this life and in the life to come, while being physically fit only benefits us in this life. So let's think about it. Let's look at this from the perspective of Paul. He said if you're physically fit, that's a good thing. You're going to be healthy in this life. You're going to look better. You're going to feel better. You're probably going to live longer. So physical exercise, it's good. It profits, but it only profits you in this life. It has no eternal, what, what am I looking for? Benefit. But being spiritually healthy, being spiritually fit, it's not only going to help you in this life, but it's also going to help you in eternity. It's going to give you benefits. And the reason it is is because even though we're saved by grace, we're rewarded by works. And if you remember when I told you what godliness is, it's not only a right or proper reverence towards God, but it's also acting the way that God wants us to. And if we act the way that God wants us to, we're going to get spiritual rewards in heaven. And so Paul is weighing these two, and he said, you know, this does profit, but you guys don't get it. If you compare our life here on this earth and to all eternity... You guys are paying the price for just this little bit here. And it's not going to benefit you in the, into eternity. But if you'll get spiritually fit, it not only will benefit you in this life, but it will benefit you for all of eternity. Does that make sense? That's why being spiritually fit is more important than being physically fit. So how do you get spiritually fit? How do you train yourself to be godly? Do you give up everything and, and go someplace where you can be a monk or for women to be a nun? No. So how do we train ourselves to be spiritually fit? Well, let's go back to the basics. What are the three things that you need to do to be physically fit? Well, you need to eat the proper foods, right? You need to eat right. That's diet. You need to exercise. And you need to get the proper rest so your body can repair itself. In other words, build muscle. Those are the three things that you need to do in order to be physically fit. Diet, exercise, proper rest to build muscle. And people, it's the same way in the spiritual realm. To be spiritually fit, you need to do three things. You need to feed on the Word of God. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4. 
In this verse, Jesus is going to teach us that we're not just a physical creature, but we're also a spiritual creature. Notice what Jesus says. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, why did Jesus say that? He said that because Jesus understood that we're not just physical creatures. We're also spiritual creatures. And just as we need to feed our physical man in order to stay strong and to live, we also need to feed the spiritual man to stay strong and to live. And how do you feed the physical man? Well, you feed the physical man with bread. Bread is a word that symbolizes food. So if we want to stay strong, we need to eat the right foods. But how do you feed the spiritual man? Well, according to Jesus, you feed the spiritual man by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, you feed yourself with the word of God. Does that make sense? Now, if you do not read the word of God, if you're not feeding yourself with the word of God, you're never going to be spiritually fit. And the reason you're not going to be spiritually fit is because... Your spiritual man is almost dead. You're starving him to death. Just as our physical man man needs food, so does our spiritual man. And the food that we've got to give them is the Bible. So we've got to read the Bible and meditate on it. And when I say meditate on it, I mean to chew on it. You need to chew on the Word of God. You need to think about it. And then you swallow it. You take it to the inside. And allow it to become a part of you. And then the reason you do this is so that you can have the strength to exercise. So the second thing you have to do in the spiritual man is you've got to exercise your faith. In other words, you've got to become a doer of the word. And people, that's what we looked at last week. It's not enough to read the word of God. It's not enough to study the word of God. You've got to put it into practice. And that's how you exercise your faith. By doing the word of God. Now, let me go a little bit further. Last week, we looked at this and found out that that Paul did not use, I'm sorry, James did not use the word egates. He didn't say, I just want you to do the word of God or work the word of God. He said, I want you to be a poietes. Now, a poietes is where they got the word poet. In other words, if you can't think of a way to immediately do the word of God, if you're reading something and it tells you that you ought to be doing something, and you look at that and you go, well, boy, I can't think of a way, then he's telling you to sit down, meditate on it, and become creative. Do something that makes the word come alive. And I gave you examples of that. But that's how you exercise your faith. And if you compare this to physical exercise, it's kind of interesting. Because to work out all of your muscles, you've got to do some pretty weird exercises. How many of you do Pilates? You put yourself in those weird positions and you're doing something. If someone walked in on you, they'd be going, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Or if you go exercise and and maybe you use weights. And so you're on a machine. Some of those machines just look nuts. It almost looks like torture machines. But each one of those machines is designed to work a specific muscle. Why? Because to be physically fit, you need to work out all of your muscles, or at least your major muscle groups, your major body parts. And it's the same way in the Word of God. Sometimes we only do what we like to do, and the other things we don't. And have you ever seen someone that only exercises the upper part of their body but doesn't do anything for their legs? Man, they like to go around without a shirt on, and boy, they're flexing all the time. And then they wear shorts in the summertime, so I'm like, (laughs) You see, God wants us to be a doer of the word. 
We're reading the Word of God. We're meditating on it. But then we exercise our faith by putting the Word into practice. And we don't just put into practice certain things. God wants us to put into practice the full counsel of God's Word. And then the last thing you've got to do if you want to be spiritually fit is you've got to pray. To be physically fit, you've got to get proper rest to allow your muscles to rebuild themselves. And that's how you build muscles. And that's how you become stronger. But in the spiritual realm, the way that you become stronger is through prayer. The way you build yourself up is by praying. Turn to Jude chapter 1, verse 20. In fact, there's only one chapter. But I found out if I don't say that, people go, what chapter? Verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You see... Prayer refreshes the soul, and it makes a person spiritually stronger. And so that's why we need to pray, and that's how we become spiritually fit. We do those three things. First of all, we have a proper diet of God's Word. Second of all, we exercise our faith. And third of all, we pray. We build ourselves up. We give us a chance for all of this to be working together. Now, two weeks ago, I talked about focusing on, the one New Year's, on only one New Year's resolution in 2010. Instead of making five to six New Year's resolutions that you probably wouldn't keep, I told you that if you really want to make a big impact in your life, then what you need to do is you need to make one New Year's resolution and make sure that you focus on that one thing and keep that resolution. And then people wanted to know, well, how do you decide what that one New Year's resolution should be? Well, that's when I decided to give you four questions. Because I wanted to help you to decide what one thing that you should focus on. I gave you four questions to ask yourself. Now here's what's interesting. All four questions were spiritual in nature. Did you notice that? Why? Because I wanted it to make an impact not only in this life but in the life to come. And people, this message goes right along with that. I hope that the one New Year's resolution that you made was something that was spiritual. Something that will affect you not only in this life, but also in the life to come. I'm hoping that the one New Year's resolution that you made will help you become spiritually fit. Because if you are spiritually fit, if you are godly, it will benefit you now, but it will benefit you for all eternity. So, if you haven't decided on what one New Year's resolution you need to make, I want you to choose something that will make you spiritually fit. If you have already decided on what one New Year's resolution you want to make, and it's not something that will affect you spiritually, I want you to reconsider it. Why do I want you to reconsider it? Because I want you to choose something that won't, that won't just benefit you in this life, but will benefit you in the life to come. Let's read what Paul said again. This is 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life, in the life to come. What I'm hoping from our church is that 2010 will be a year that affects us for all of eternity. Not just a year that we look back and go, well, 2010 was a good year. No, no, no. I want us to be in heaven one day looking back and saying, you know, 2010 was a year that really turned things around for me. 2010 was the year that, that really changed my life. Now, if you want that to happen, 
you're going to have to be spiritually fit. And you're going to have to basically do these three things. You're going to have to get into the Word of God and feed your spiritual man. You've got to have a proper diet for the spirit man. You're going to have to become a doer of the Word because you're going to have to exercise your faith. And that's the way you exercise your faith is by doing what the Word of God says. And the third thing, of course, is praying because that's what builds up your muscles. That's what refreshes you. And those are the three things that will make you spiritually fit. And it will benefit you not only in this life, but in the life to come. Now I'm going to get practical right now. I've exercised enough in my life to know how to properly exercise and how not to exercise. And here's what's kind of funny. If you've done that, whenever someone comes in that's never exercised, we do something that's kind of mean. We put them through a really hard workout. And especially with something that's called squats. How many of you have ever done squats? When you do squats, basically you have a bar on, on, on the, your back and you just basically squat down. And you do a full squat. You want to make sure that your legs are parallel and you come back up. So what we do is we put them through this really hard set of squats. And if they've never exercised, they go through, boy, that was good. But the next day they can't walk. Anyone ever done that? And it gets worse the second day. And it gets so bad, and I've literally had people say this to me. I went to the bathroom the other day, and then I started crying because I didn't think I could get off the toilet. <laughs> Seriously, it gets that bad. Well, if you've exercised like me, and, and you quit exercising, when you go back to exercising, you understand that you can't go hard. So this time when I started back exercising, I went in and I did four minutes. That's all I did on the elliptical. So I went four minutes, and it's like, <gasps> stopped. And the next time I went in, I went up to five minutes. And now, you know, I'm doing 20 minutes, what I normally do. And now what I'm doing is I'm going from the easy elliptical to the harder elliptical, the one that's more like a Stairmaster, trying to get up to my 20 minutes. Well, it's the same way in the spiritual. The analogy is the same. Or I should say, it is an analogy. And you can do the very same things in the spiritual realm that you do in the physical realm. When you want to get spiritually fit, you don't say things like, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes every day, and, and I'm going to read two chapters every day, and, and, and then I'm going to make sure that I write down what God's saying, I'm going to do it every day. That's not going to happen. Within a day or two, you're going to give up. So what do you do? You start small. You say, you know, what I'm going to do is, I'm going to read one chapter in the New Testament every day. That's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to pray for three minutes and so you go in there and you read that and then you pray for three minutes and that's it but eventually you begin to build this up you're spiritually exercising and training yourself to the point that hopefully you get to that place where you can read through the bible every year and you can go in and you can pray for 30 minutes and it's not very difficult to do and that you come in and you're meditating on the word of god and the holy spirit's now prompting you when you should put that into practice you know, there are times when I'm driving down the road and I'll see someone and the Holy Spirit just speaks to me and says, pick them up. And I'll pick them up and the Holy Spirit begins to tell me what to do, what to say, how to be. But people, that didn't come overnight. That came from starting uh, very small and training myself to be godly to the point where now hopefully I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Does that make sense? So I want to encourage you in 2010 to be spiritually fit. So if you've already made your one New Year's resolution, but it's not spiritual, I want you to reconsider. I want you to go back to those four questions that I asked 
And you need to ask yourself, fill those out, and you need to look for something that's going to benefit you spiritually. Something that's going to help you to become spiritually fit. Because I'm believing that 2010 is going to be a turning point in your life.
Is there any water down there, honey? Can you toss that to me? Oh, never mind then. I can make it. I've exercised enough in my life to know how to properly do it and how not to do it. Oh, thank you. Just throw it to me. <coughs> not an athlete. Have you Arkansas? Ah. <laughs> uh. That's true. That's why we can't win the SEC. But anyways. 